Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. All right, welcome back to the program. Dan, say it isn't so. Don't tell me the Giants fell to 0-5 and lost to Andy freaking Dalton. I can't I can't take it. Andy Dalton? No, no. This can't, this can't be real right now. Well, I'll give I'll give the Giants one thing. They are very creative in the way that they find ways to lose. So, you know, at least we can we can go down that rabbit hole a little bit. But yeah, it's 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 tiring, it's exhausting, and here we are. The Giants have you know, found and discovered a new way to put an L on the board, and now they're zero and five for what feels like uh, something that's been far too familiar in recent years. No, no, this this game was like a microcosm of the Giants' experience, right? The Giants, like last few years, is yeah. up and down, and you're up big, and then all of a sudden it's gone in the blink of an eye. But really, all the crazy things that happen, right? I mean, the Giants getting the touchdown on defense, the Cowboys getting the touchdown on defense, the fake field goal, the Dak Prescott injury, all these things happen. And it all boiled down to a moment that I've been dying to see. And we got the moment that we wanted, right? I think you might agree. Two minutes left, tie game. Daniel Jones has the football, a chance to lead him down the field against a crappy defense. I mean, that was the moment I was waiting for. That was the moment. And then he hits that ridiculous throw down the sideline, running out of bounds to Darius Slayton, right? That was incredible. And we've seen Eli do throw. that. Yeah, and we've seen Eli do that beautiful in the past throw. where no matter how bad he looks at a game, he'll make this unbelievable throw late in a game and the Giants will ride that momentum to a win, right? And I just thought after that throw to Slayton on the sideline, I'm like, oh my, that was unbelievable. They're going to win the game. And then three straight passes to Deion Lewis, net one yard, and they punt. And then they lose to Andy Dalton, right? So I thought that was the moment we were waiting for. And boy, I was pretty disappointed. I'm really curious with the play calling at the end there. Garrett, to his credit, called a beautiful game. He opened up his bag of tricks. He emptied it out. Uh, it, it, you know, all the credit in the world to him for the game plan that he devised and how he implemented it throughout the game. I don't know what happened on the last three plays of the game. It's just it's very curious. I mean, granted, yes, the wide receivers, as we saw all game long, and as we've seen all year long, struggled to create separation. And uh, Slayton was really the only one that stepped up big in this one. But again, Daniel Jones had nowhere to throw. There were some curious calls at the end. I don't know. You know, maybe he should have taken it upon himself to be a little bit more aggressive. There was an opportunity to run there at one point, and he didn't take it, you know, which was a knock on him a week ago. And like I said, the Giants, they're very creative in the ways that they find to lose. I'm glad you said that about Jason Garrett because I agreed. I thought this was a better game plan. He even called a flea flicker, Dan. He even called the flea flicker. And it, it, was, it was amazing. It was kind of ugly. It was a very flea flicker, but he did call it. We'll call that a Giants-style flea flicker, right? It was all over the yeah. place, and it was way harder than it should have been. The flea flicker is supposed to like put somebody wide open, Dan, down the field, not like Darius yeah. Slayton making a catch with two toes tapping on the sideline yeah. while Daniel Jones is getting blasted, right? I mean, oh, my God. Yeah, but uh, so I give Garrett credit, right? He did open up the bag of tricks. I thought, you know, he, he kept Dallas off balance a little bit, but you got to give the Cowboys credit with the pressure they were getting all game long. And the pressure got to Daniel Jones, right? Not only on the strip sack, but late in that game, he was just kind of running for his life. How many times am I going to see Daniel Jones scrambling to the sideline trying to, like, make something happen? You know, like, that was the case all game long, especially in that fourth quarter, especially in that final drive when he, he really, he was forced to check it down to Jones. I mean, uh, Deion Lewis, I'm sorry, because... Yeah. They, they just couldn't contain the Cowboys' rush, and that was the problem. Well, that and the combination, of course, of, of the receivers not creating separation. You know, one of the stats that yeah. came out after the game was that 
Jones had something. He had held the ball for something like 3.3 seconds before release, which was it was above his season average and probably a little bit more than you want to see. And and then you look at the pressure, and depending on which you know analytics, next gen stats, PFF, whatever it is you want to look at, he was pressured anywhere between 40 and 60 percent of his dropbacks on Sunday, which is you know it's no good. Even on the low end, next gen stats, I believe it was, had him at 14 quarterback pressures, and you generally want to see that in the single digits. So the fact that 14 was the the quote-unquote good number in comparison to like pff that had him closer to 60 percent of you know the time being pressured you know that that really speaks volumes about the trouble the giants are having both as far as pass protection and wide receiver separation and you know yeah it always falls on on jones's shoulders which you know it seems a little unfair i've said this before you know when eli was still the quarterback the argument was as soon as eli's gone these problems are going to fix themselves it's all eli's fault well, it turns out it wasn't Eli's fault. It's not Jones's fault. You know, the Giants have a lot of problems. And, and you, again, you saw that rear its ugly head on Sunday, especially in crunch time when they couldn't get it done. And, and they were forced to make some curious calls, some checkdowns that, you know, maybe shouldn't have made. And again, I go back to, you know, him him and his legs. You know, he at some point or another, he's got to realize that these situations, he's just going to have to shoulder the burden, take off and see what he can make happen. He's just got to be a little more decisive, right? To your point, just a little more yes. decisive. And he's got to stop bit. turning the football over. He's just got to stop. He's got to stop. I, mean, I, I think one of the biggest problems that he's got is he is holding on to the ball too yeah. long. And you can make the argument that, yeah, the receivers aren't creating separation, but he actually is very accurate when it comes to tight window throws. And, it, you know, maybe he just wants to throw caution to the wind a little bit. You're going to get more turnovers. But, you know, that's what made Eli Manning successful early in his career. It was kind of a chuck and duck style offense under Kevin Gilbride. And you, you kind of took the turnovers because, you know, you were putting the ball in the end zone every other time and you were winning games. And, and maybe Jones just needs to tune some of that stuff out and, and just let go of the ball, chuck it, let his wide receivers go and make plays. Either they're going to or they're not. But at least no one could criticize him for not trying at that point. Exactly, exactly. But the numbers for, for, for Jones are alarming, right? 18 games, 17 interceptions, 14 fumbles. He's averaging almost two turnovers a game himself, yeah, which is not a good way to win football games. And really, that's, what that's going to do is make you uh, be an NFL backup. So we haven't seen the uh, that breakout that we want, and, and that was an opportunity on Sunday. But you know, another opportunity for the defense, right? When Andy Dalton takes over, I mean, they yeah. do they do pounce yeah. on that muffed snap, which you know you're going to expect something weird to happen with Dalton. He's going to screw something up. He's either going to throw you one or drop one, and there it is. Giants get the football. They score, they take the lead, but the defense did give up two field goal drives. And the Cowboys, yeah, I guess the Cowboys played some good football. Some of those Michael Gallup catches were ridiculous, right, Dan, down the stretch. But they still let Andy Dalton drive right down the field like 72 yards and 50-something yeah. seconds for the game-winning field goal. Chip shot field goal that we all knew was going to go in, right? So yep. that was disappointing. The defense was kind of trying to hold things together as best they could for the Giants, and they didn't really have a great showing in this one besides the touchdown. No, no, they didn't. And uh, again, it screams to the lack of talent and the lack of depth, uh, uh, you know, on the roster overall, because you've got Ryan Lewis, who has just stepped in a week ago and he's covering Gallup and, you know, he's getting beat. He had one of the lowest, you know, grades on the entire team uh, for this game. And this comes after the fact that um, Corey Ballantyne and a couple other odds and ends guys who have come in over the year were benched because they weren't performing well. And all that goes back to Dave Gettleman. And as much as I like and respect the guy, you know, that's just the bottom line. You know, when you have a, a depleted 
team, a depleted roster, you you don't have that depth coming into the season. Then you start, you know, seeing the injuries pile up and you're playing these guys off the street and you end up getting beat. And, and you know, unfortunately, you know, that's a product of, you know, the roster building that's taken place over the last three years, but certainly wasn't the Giants' only problem. You know, Judge said it a couple of weeks ago that there's just one or two breakdowns here or there that are costing them the games and it could be anyone. And in this case, it was Blake Martinez missing a, a tackle on, I believe it was Amari Cooper uh, that went for a first down in a big play. And, and that kind of re-sparked the Cowboys' offense and, and, and moved the chains. And, you know, we all know how it ended after that. Oh, my God. So, so many moments in this game that, like I said before, it was just a microcosm of the Giants' experience. Up and down. You're up, and then mm-hmm. you're deflated. And there was one moment where, literally, Dan, I was up off my couch, and then I just was like, <laughs> hands on my head and could not believe what I was watching. We'll get into that play here coming up. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit up, start up. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week six. Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has staved off Tua Tonga-Vailoa for now. Two quarterbacks have posted at least 32 fantasy points in five games against the Jets. And the other three quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Phillip Rivers, Brett Rippett. Not exactly elite company. If wide receiver Preston Williams continues to come to life like we saw signs of last week, Fitz could be in for a huge fantasy day. Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds, not Kenyon Drake, has been the more productive back this year in PPR scoring. Drake may have scored on the ground last week, but he has struggled to generate yardage per touch, and he's living off an extremely small sample size of productive play from last season. Not only has Edmonds been more productive on the ground, he's simply more useful in the passing game. Look for him to exploit a weak Dallas defense. Cincinnati Bengals rookie receiver T. Higgins should see an uptick in his work if A.J. Green's hamstring prevents him from playing. Look for the rookie to continue his nice rapport with quarterback Joe Burrow. The Indianapolis defense may appear to be a poor matchup on the surface, but a closer examination reveals six different receivers have scored a touchdown, and eight players at the position have gone for at least 10 PPR points. Higgins offers major upside in the red zone. If you're looking to take a gamble at tight end with four teams on their buys, the Atlanta Falcons present a brilliant matchup for Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings, who is actually tight end Irv Smith Jr. and not Rudolph, who led the way last week, but the veteran tight end is a better bet for a touchdown in the red zone. No team has given up more touchdowns to the tight end position through five weeks than the Atlanta defense. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com. Yeah, you know what, Beyonce, I was mad at our execution that we took points off the board, and that was it, point blank. Yeah, you prepare for something like that, you call it at a certain time, it came up, you want to see it work, we've got to clean that up. All right, Dan, so Joe Judge worked with the special teams in New England, so he's got some special teams background, and boy, did he scheme up a great call. The holder pops up, throws the football to Evan Ingram. He walks into the end zone. Great call. Fake field goal. Caught everyone by surprise. Everyone's on their feet. What a, what a moment for the Giants. And then there's a flag, and it comes back for an illegal shift on Cam Fleming, right? It was not so clear on the broadcast what the hell happened there, what Fleming did wrong. I think you wrote in the Giants while you're that it was pretty ticky-tacky, but it still sounds like the Giants screwed it up, right? So yeah. uh, what the hell happened? First of all, what a call. And then what a deflating moment when they had to, like, line up and kick the field goal after that. But what happened on that well, play? Well, it was – yeah, it was absolutely a brilliant call. So you, you, all credit to the Giants coaching staff for that one because the way that that play was set up was amazing because what happened is Ingram was down on the sideline on the play previous, and he was with the players that looked like they were coming off the field. 
but he kind of just lingered around the sideline and then right at the last second got set. So there was no cowboy that even realized he was on the field, uh, which just left them wide open for Riley Dixon, who, you know, can throw the football and, you know, unleashed a, a pretty beautiful pass there. Unfortunately, when you when you went back and watched the replay, yeah, it was a little ticky tack. You don't generally see that called. But Fleming just had just the tiniest little bounce right before the snap. And, uh, you know, that drew the flag. And not only did it cost the touchdown, it actually pushed them back out of field goal range. So you could argue that that was a 10-point penalty right there. That was brutal. I mean, so th- I'm so glad you said that because that is an old – I Judge must have learned that from the Patriots because they did something very similar. They used to do something very similar with Troy Brown. They used to, like, have him wander on the field, look like he wasn't really playing, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's there wide open on the – like, right out the numbers, and they're throwing trick passes yep. to him on a punt or a field goal. So Judge obviously learned that from his boy Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and boy, did he make a call. But penalties, we saw it. Over and over again, whether they were, you know, whether we agree with the calls or not, and some of them I definitely don't agree with, but, and I'm sure you yeah. don't either. I know you don't. Well, I'll tell you one, uh, one that sticks out in my mind was that non call against BJ Hill on the Cowboys' final drive because no that was. You know, they, they want to say, you know, only call clear and concise holding penalties. Yep. I don't think you get any more clear and concise than that one. No, I saw it live on the broadcast. I'm like, that's holding. That's holding. Yeah, exactly. And that's just that's just part of the role you got to play when you go into Dallas and play the Cowboys. You, <laughs> you know, people could say whatever they want to about the officiating and all that stuff. But when everybody knows, everybody in the NFL knows that when you go into Dallas and play the Cowboys in Dallas, you're not going to get those calls. It's just not going to be the way it is. And, and the Giants kind of own that after the game. They refuse to blame the referees and they said you know you got to play the hand you're dealt so what are you gonna do yeah they're dealt a crappy hand dealt a crappy yeah. hand of this one so eight penalties 81 yards uh two penalties negate touchdowns right i mean just brutal yeah. brutal, brutal, brutal brutal and Damning. at the end of the day like you said you can bitch about the rest but really it comes down to it comes down to the coaching they they gotta like they just gotta tighten this thing up and it's it's tough being zero and five and having all these penalties and you're shooting yourself in the foot Man, the Giants, this is not the only Giants game that they probably could have or should have won. At least two, maybe three. The Giants, Maybe four. Yeah, the Giants, Dan, the Giants should be leading the NFC East. Look at this. The Cowboys are now in first place in the NFC East. Like, come on, like two and three. Like, the Giants could be leading this division, and instead they're at 0-5, and, and I don't know, like the season feels like it, it could be freaking over at this point. They're 0-5. Could, yeah. It's amazing what it would be like in a different universe because they could have held that lead in Pittsburgh. Uh, they could have they won that game, or rather against Pittsburgh. Uh, they got blown out by the 49ers. There's no use in even talking about that disaster. But, you know, they played, you know, the Bears well. They had an opportunity to win that game. They played, obviously, they played Dallas well. The defense kind of caved. But again, like I said earlier, you look at these games. Last week against the Rams, it was uh, Bradbury, who's having a tremendous season, who couldn't get a hand on Cooper Cup. This year, or this week, it was Blake Martinez missing a tackle that could have stopped the first down and stopped the momentum. And you can go back in, in four of the five games and you could pick out one or two plays, just like Joe Judge says, where it's like, if this team just executes properly and they don't shoot themselves in the foot, who knows where they could be at this point. Four and one, maybe that's a little pie in the sky. Three and two, you know, that's a little bit more realistic. Even at two wins, they're number one in the NFC East right now. There you go. There you go. So, I mean, I think one positive, though, is we saw two, like, young emerging stars. And one was C.D. Lamb on the Dallas Cowboys side. I mean, oh yeah, a, for all the, the defensive deficiencies they have, 
they still go and draft the receiver in the first round, but they nailed it. He's a good player. He's going to be a really good player. Yeah. And then Slayton on the Giants side. I mean, we saw it again. We've been talking about him a little bit this year. Slayton has a great game, you know, balled out in this one, looked really good. He was the number one receiver by far. And now I think we just want to see that more consistently with him, right? We just need to see, like, take the job and be the top target and produce every game. And I think that's where Slayton's kind of trending and we need to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed 100%. I think the, the problem with Slayton over the, you know, the past few weeks, you know, the Cowboys game notwithstanding, is that he's been drawing double teams, you know, because teams, teams recognize him as the deep threat on the Giants. And with Tate and Shepard, well, Shepard's out and Tate not performing well, Evan Ingram not playing well, uh, no other quality receiver is really stepping up and doing anything. I mean, you're putting guys out there like Damian Ratley, you know, who most NFL fans have never even heard of. No, no disrespect to him. So teams can sell out on Slayton, and I think Mike Nolan made a tremendous mistake not doing exactly that against Slayton in this game, and immediately we saw what he's capable of. And that includes a touchdown that was called back, which was another great throw and catch between Jones and Slayton. All right, so if the sky isn't falling in East Rutherford right now, the sky will be falling Oh yeah! If the Giants lose to the football team this week, oh my goodness! <laughs> so we will talk oh, about this matchup. Bad. <laughs> Let's get into this matchup here. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on the Week 6 Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. The Rams, minus 3.5 favorites on the road. 49ers, plus 160 underdogs on the money line. A low over-under for this one of 50.5 points. Jeff, how do you feel about this game? Oh, I'm going with the home team in prime time. San Francisco needs this game like blood to keep pace in a tough NFC West. They're obviously very familiar with the Los Angeles Rams. And three in the hook is just too many points for the home dog. You know what? I'm going to fade the team that just lost 43-17 to the Miami Dolphins in week five. Give me those LA Rams coming off a big 30-10 win against the Washington and football team check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from betmgm sportsbook subscribe to bet and podcast be sure to rate and review okay dan the giants open wait the giants open as favorites they're favorites the giants are favorite yeah. in the football game they open at three and a half i think the line on my app has moved to three so maybe a little bit of action on the washington side <laughs> don't give the giants too many points here people are going to hop on that but <laughs> Interesting. I was I watched a little bit of that Washington game on the Red Zone channel last week, and they're playing the quarterback carousel. Kyle Allen started. He got knocked out. Then Alex Smith came in, and so weird. It was so, like, I don't know. Maybe ironic is the word to see Alex Smith come back after that devastating leg injury he had, and then, like, minutes later, Dak Prescott has his own devastating injury. Oh, it's like, yeah, it was right. so weird how that kind of happened. And so you feel good for Alex Smith, but this, this Washington team, like, what do you think about this matchup? This is, man, this is not a very good defensive football team in Washington. They, they got, they're doing okay on offense, I guess, but the quarterback carousel kind of limits them. I mean, this is a, this is a game the Giants should be favored in and they should win. And please Giants, you got to win this football game. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if the Giants go in and lose this game, what happens? It's going to seal the fate for some people. Yeah. They may not get fired immediately, but it may, lead to some trades it may lead to some dismissals at the end of this season and who knows how deeply that could run if they lose this game 
John Merrick, he can't possibly be happy at 0-5, even though the team is, you know, competing in four of those five games. But if they go out and lay an egg or even lose a close game to Washington, he's going to be on the warpath. Tish, Mara, both of them are going to be on the warpath. You can all but write the goodbye to Dave Gettleman at that point. Uh, and, and who knows what it means for Joe Judge. You don't want to think that he's going to be on the hot seat, but if you go and lose to this Washington team, it's going to be hard to defend anybody on the Giants at that point. I think we talked about in a previous episode that Judge could go 0-16 and, and still keep his job, but that's probably not accurate, right? That's not. I yeah, mean, if, yeah, no. The pressure. Yeah, the not pressure at is, this point, no. Yeah. If you Again, because this team, this Washington team is terrible. It is just terrible across the board. They have two quality players on their entire roster, and that's terrible. McLaurin yep. and obviously Chase Young, who could absolutely dominate in this game, and that's terrifying. That's going to be a huge matchup to watch. I think you know you put Bradbury on McLaurin, and and maybe you know he's done such a tremendous job this year. You, you limit him. I'm, I'm not going to say you shut him down because I think this kid is a superstar in the making, uh, but you can certainly limit him if you can somehow keep Chase Young off Daniel Jones. And I don't know how they're going to do it. There is absolutely no excuse for the Giants going into this game, none whatsoever. That, you're right. That matchup is terrifying because, you know, as, as crappy as Washington is, that's their one strength is their uh, defensive line and their front. And they do get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And we've seen Daniel Jones struggle when getting pressure. Mm-hmm. He ran a couple play fakes in that game where there was no, like, he didn't fool anybody on some of those play action fakes, by the way. He, like, no. you know, fakes the handoff to Gallman and, like, three white jerseys are about to destroy him, you know, right in his face. So, <laughs> man, they got to figure out the protection piece because this could be a game where, yeah, the Giants are definitely the better team. But this could be a game where Daniel Jones is running for his life again and all hell could yep. break loose. And we could be on here next week, Dan, being like, oh, my God, I can't I can't believe this happened again. It's it could be bad. And what the irony is going into this game is that both Montez Sweat, who's having a, a good year of his own and Chase Young, both of them could have been Giants. Both of them could have been Giants. The Giants actually beat Washington to lose out on Chase Young last year, which is super ironic and undoubtedly something that he's got in his head going into this game. All right, so what do you think about the spread? If, if it stays at three, you know, you, you get the opportunity to, to push it. If the Giants do win by a field goal, uh, you know, what do you think? Are you comfortable, are you comfortable putting a, a hypothetical Monopoly money unit on the Giants here at home? I would. I really would. I don't know. I don't know how yet they're going to handle Chase Young and Montez Sweat, but I think they're going to figure it out. Because, again, when you, when you start game planning for Washington, watching the film, and you're looking at this team uh, offensively, take McLaurin out of the game. You know, maybe even pull an old Bill Belichick there, put your number two cornerback on McLaurin and then constantly keep safety help over top and then put Bradbury travel with whoever the number, you know, number two wide receiver is in that game and completely take them both out of the game, forcing a team that can't run the ball to run the ball. So, you know, there's your approach on 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 the offensive side, on the defensive side. You know, for Washington uh, against that offensive line, I don't know how the Giants are going to figure it out. Maybe you run a lot of jumbo packages, at two, three tight end packages. Make sure, you know, maybe maybe finally implement uh, Eli Penny, the fullback, a little bit more. He's a great player, very talented, athletic guy who's seeing two to three snaps a game for some odd reason. But, yeah, I think, you know, if the Giants can control those three players – they win this game, and I think they win this game by more than three, potentially by even more than a touchdown. I do like that. Take a little bit out of uh, Belichick's playbook. Put a tight end right on Chase Young and chip him every play. Just have a tight end put every his shoulder play. into every Chase time. Young. That's what Belichick would do, 100%. He would yep. just chip him every single freaking time. That's why they have all these tight ends anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. Evan Ingram's obviously the receiving tight end. Split him out to wide receiver. Don't even use that body in the tight end at this point. Put him out where he's bound to be more successful anyway. Bring in some of those blocking tight ends that you spent all those money on and have them do their jobs that's what they're here for right so there there you go there's there's your matchup you chip chase young every single play 
Maybe even you leave the running back in on that side before you drop him out into, sure. into a route somewhere. Sure. And, you know, do you double chip him? Whatever you can to do to keep Andrew Thomas from being demolished <laughs> and Daniel Jones from being decapitated is what you got to do at this point. <laughs> All right, Dan. Hey, another therapy session next week around this time, right? Sound good? Sounds good. Hopefully, it's, hopefully we're celebrating a win this time, though. Seriously, seriously. Have a great week. You too, man. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.